Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your hosts, Jane Harris and Kathy Barrett. Hello, everybody. I'm Kathy Barrett, and thanks so much for tuning in. Behind the Curtain is a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow-brick road of life. And life is something we shouldn't have to do alone. So I would love it if you would spend the next 30 minutes with me as I reveal what's behind the curtain. And today's show is with Lisey Dutton, our special guest, and it will be on Mystics in the City. Uh, Before we start, I wanted to send a love hug out to Jane Harris, my co-host, who will not be joining us today. I'll be actually flying solo. So I just wanted to share before I bring Lisey on that um, I was in my office this morning catching up on some paperwork. You know, I had a big pile of papers that I needed to file, and it was something I was procrastinating about. And as I picked up the pile, a little card dropped out. And I haven't seen this card in months. I actually received it as a gift when I was um, attending a retreat at Peace Village, a meditation retreat. And it, like it fell out of nowhere, and it was really very moving because it read, "Sweet sweetness is knowing there is good in everything. I stay beyond the shadows of sorrow." And I thought, "Oh my God, how ironic that this card found me today of all days!" Because I feel that it was the perfect insight to not only handle the challenges that I face today, but to kick off the show. And so. I'd like to uh, tell you about Lisey Dunton. Uh, She is a journalist I admire very, very much and a writer. And she's the founder of the online publication Newsun.com. And Mystics in the City is her first e-book. So welcome, Lisey. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So nice to have you. And, and, you know, thanks for being on the show. Uh, First of all, I want to say congratulations on Mystics in the City because I have to tell you that I, I loved it. I think it's a wonderful gift to give to people experiencing loss. And uh, it's just a really, really insightful um, work. And before we get into the book, though, can you tell us a little bit about your background for people that don't know you? Oh, sure. Well, uh, in college I was studying journalism and then began working as an intern at the Village Voice. And I was just in heaven because this is exactly what I wanted to do. And then kept working at places like CBS, television, and Daily News. And um, at, it was at places like the Daily News where I couldn't help but notice that uh, focus on what was wrong with life and trying to catch people doing something bad and scandal and fear and murder and disaster is very well covered. Um, and I thought it would be interesting and equally realistic to kind of shift the perspective a bit and say, well, what good is happening? It's not getting quite enough coverage. Um, Let's focus on what's right with people in life, and there's so much of it. So I started the new Sun, and and George Harrison was on the cover interview of the first issue, and Michael Douglas ended up um, putting in some seed money, so it was all very exciting. And then I put it on the web in 1994, and it's been there ever since. So basically, it, it tries to 
um, you know, focus on what's good with life. And now Mystics in the City is kind of an offshoot. It focuses on what's good with the next life. <laughs> There's sort of a tie-in there. <laughs> That's right. I didn't think of it that way. But, I mean, just getting back for a second about the new sun, very big idea, you know, in, like you say, in a world where everybody wants to publish the bad news. How did you have the courage to put forth something that was like, really, there was nothing else around like it? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think as much as I enjoyed, you know, Daily News, CBS, and other places, I just, I just felt my heart hurt because I thought there's so much going on and it's not getting covered. And it, our life, we're all living together here. It's not being accurately portrayed, you know. So I just, I said, all right, I don't care. I'm just going to venture forth and give it a shot. Um, so it was kind of fun, exciting at the time, and still is. And then, uh, so how did you get the George Harrison interview? That was like a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was. Well, I, I, I don't know what made me think of him exactly, well, other than he's very spiritual. But I, yeah, I remember writing a letter to his PR people and ex- explaining the concept of the new sun and at the time a couple of my friends said um Lisa first of all George Harrison's you know hard to reach and doesn't give interviews very often and secondly the new sun is still kind of an idea so the chances of getting an interview are pretty slim so I don't know a month or two later I'd kind of forgotten about it <clears throat> and then suddenly his PR people called up and said how about tonight so I just dropped everything and, and interviewed him on the phone it would have been great in person, but it was uh, still very exciting on the phone, and I kept uh, trying to calm myself down, saying, he's just a person, he's just a person, <laughs> so I get my heart to stop beating so hard. <laughs> it was great. That's kind of how really I feel nice. about he you just right said, now. Uh, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm excited yeah. to interview you, yes. Aww, I'm sorry, you were saying you. he said... <laughs> well, he's very encouraging, he like, off the record. Off the, you know, when we finished the interview, he was saying, it's so good what you're doing, you know, we really need it. So then throughout the years, if I get discouraged or whatever, I think, well, George Harrison liked it, so I'm going to keep going. So that really helped. So the power of encouragement is really, yeah. Yeah, but also you had the courage, even though in the face of everybody going, no, you can't do this, it's not going to happen, you really stepped forward and, and, you know, stepped into the power of, you know, your dream and just, you know, putting it out there, and it came back to you. So I love stories like that. I find them very <laughs> inspirational, for sure. So uh, so where did the idea for the book come from? Well, let's see. I was looking, uh, I, I took a little class, a uh, free webinar, introductory class on ebooks because it was really fascinated me. And the guy that led the class was talking about he he did this great book about 101 things to say, you know, at a wedding, like wedding toast, you know. And I thought, "Oh, okay." And I thought, "Well, what do you say? I've always wondered, what do you say when someone passes, whether it's at a funeral or just to your friend? Nobody including me really, you know, what do you say without bumping into people's belief systems or intruding on their grief process. I mean, it's hard to know. I thought, well, that would be a good thing. You know, ask people what they say that's worked, you know, and mm. it's been helpful. 
So that's kind of how it started. And I thought, well, let me ask a couple, you know, a few more questions. And, uh, you know, another question I'm super interested in is, well, what do you think happens after life? Because that ties in with what you might say that's helpful. Um, hmm. And, yeah, that that's how it began. And then I just added a few more questions, <clears throat> you know, like, when you get to the other side, if you want certain questions answered, like, I've always wondered about X, you know, what would that be? So that's how it started. I didn't want to get into too, too many questions. I want to keep it simple. So I just kept it mm-hmm. at five. And how did so you come to that. people? Well, so you interviewed um, your subject. Some of them, yeah. Some of them I knew, um, mm-hmm. some, you know, ministers, priests, um authors and stuff. So I I was trying to set appointments up, either meet them in person or on the phone. And um, one person, uh, Reverend Dr. Scott Colglazier, he just said yes right away, and he got on the phone the next day. It was very refreshing. He just said, yes, let's do it. So that was easy. Other times it was hard to pin down people to do the actual interview. So I mean, one day I just said, oh, I've had it with all this scheduling stuff, and I grabbed my tape recorder and just walked out the door. It was really fun. And I thought, now, who am I going to interview? <laughs> so I thought, a paramedic. I love this. <laughs> and then I thought, well, okay, I'll go to Roosevelt Hospital. And I saw a paramedic parked outside, and I kind of knocked on his window, and we did an interview. And it, fortunately, wow. you know, what he had to say was really interesting. And then right along the same block, I saw a porter sweeping up. I said, excuse me, <laughs> I know you have to sweep up, but could you have a couple minutes? <clears throat> so that you know, some some of it was just on the street or a doorman. You know, I went up to a um, place near me, apartment building, and, and I told the doorman what he wanted. He said, "Oh, you should talk to Claudio. He's very spiritual." And we sat down with Claudio, and and he you know put forth some very interesting ideas about energy. Never energy goes on, and I thought, "Wow, I lucked out with this doorman." So it was just very fortunate series of events. You probably kind of led to them in a, in a way <laughs> as well, yeah. even the you know, yeah. people you were just meeting on the street, for sure. Well, let's tell our listeners what the five questions are so they have an idea of what we're talking about. So do you want to read them, or I have them here. They're not in front of you. What would you prefer? Uh, why don't you read them? I, I don't have them right in front of me, although I should know them okay. by now. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what do you think or hope happens after transition? Have you felt someone's presence after their passing, received any signs or communications? When someone passes, what have people said to you that has been comforting? How have you comforted others? And any questions you'd like answered or mysteries you'd like solved? So let's talk five great questions, um, by the way. But let's talk about the interviews for a moment. Um, and which one stood out for you and for what reasons? You you mentioned the paramedic is one and his idea about energy. Were there any other? I mean, it's hard. They're probably all your babies. It's kind of hard to keep pick one, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, that's true. There's, I, I, I kind of love them all. But I guess one that sticks out is, is Danny and Brinkley's, the last, his number 23 interview at the end. Um, uh-huh. because he's had three near-death experiences and he's spent the last 34 years volunteering at a hospice. So he sits at the bedside. I mean, he really knows it from every angle. You know, he's 
had a near-death experience, and he helps others pass on, and he helps friends and family adjust. So he is quite the scholar, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. and I appreciated his humor, too, um, and just his very down-to-earth, basic advice and experience. It was great. He was struck by lightning, too, which is kind of intense. So I um, read that, and I was like, that happens to be like a fear of mine, I've actually oh. you know, written an entire script about it, <laughs> oh. but it's yeah, it's really interesting. So when I read that he was struck by lightning, I was like, oh my god, I would love to talk to him just yeah. about that experience to see what that yeah. was like. And that that happened like what twenty five or thirty years ago that he survived. Yeah, it was nineteen seventy five, and then he wrote a bestseller about it. Event a couple years later, did really well. <clears throat> but I mean, the first the lightning was you know an awful experience. I didn't think he was going to live. But then after that, he he had great intuitive powers, and what he experienced in the near-death experience was just so helpful to him and others, um, really reassuring messages there. So, yeah, and then I, I, to devote the rest of his life, you know, to helping others, like, make that passage is, yeah. is really something special, I think. Um, one yeah. of the things that's, I mean, many of the, it was hard to, say, oh, I love this one or love that one, and there were different things about each one that kind of called to me, but there was an independent contractor, Scott Wahlberg, um, oh, yeah. who oh, I just was so moved uh, reading his. He, was, he lost his wife, and um, one of the questions, I guess, that he had was, what compels us to disconnect from love, which, yeah. you know, when I, oh, I thought, oh, my God, this is so moving, and... Um, um, you know, his insights just made me think about how great relationships could be if, you know, we kind of, like, thought about that, you know, yeah. every day instead of, you know, having someone pass on where that kind of, like, you know, aha moment, you know, happens for all of us. Um, so I really loved his. And that um, I, I took a little quote from there. There is no doubt in the mind that the most important tool in dealing with grief was my ability to allow all the seemingly negative feelings, such as guilt, anger, despondency, play themselves out, but under this umbrella of love. And I thought, boy, you know, I wished that I had (laughs) your (laughs) mystics in the city, uh, you know, when I lost my brother. Because I I really think that it, it just, it would have been that book that you can reach for when you're kind of feeling emotional and you're just in that really horrible state of loss and you could just reach and start reading and just hearing other people share their experiences is, is I think, what heals us all. Wow, thank so you. So I love yeah. that one. Yeah, it was beautiful. And then uh, the other, the social worker, Ellen Schmidt, she was oh, yeah. the director of hospice, and how she talked about her experience of being with, like, you know, I, I guess for 15 years she was also like the um, the gentleman that had three near-death experiences where she she was the director of the hospice, but she actually sat with, like, uh, maybe 100 people and watched them pass, and how there was um, that thread in each person where she could see at a certain point before they were crossing over that they started to focus their attention on something, and then it was they would be talking to people that had passed on before them. 
like family yeah. members, friends. It was almost like they could <laughs> see people waiting for this, <laughs> you know, which yeah. is who wouldn't want to believe that or, you know, kind of yeah. hold that uh, in in their heart. And um, so just really, really extraordinary things, I thought. Um, so it's a great book. Now, for people who want to go out and get this right now, they can go to mysticsinthecity.com. Lisa, is that correct? Correct, yes, mysticsinthecity.com. Yes. And then they can either get it there or if they have a, if they want to get it on Amazon or Apple or Sony Reader, you know, they can go that route too, if, especially if they have an e-reader. Right. And but, then also to find out, um, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So if they just want a basic old-fashioned PDF, they can do that. Or if they have an e-reader already and they want to go that route, it's a, a you know few choices there. So okay, and also uh, check Lisi out uh, at thenewsun.com. It's wonderful, and I'm you know who doesn't want to read about great, wonderful, <laughs> positive stories because we do not get our share of that in the regular press. And I I wanted to talk about one other thing uh, in terms of. Um, one of the other shares in the book was a physical therapist, Jed Schwartz. And um, oh, yeah. was it that one, or did I screw that up? Is that the the uh, the the person lost her friend? Maybe I don't have the name correct, but she loses her friend. And the husband was like, he was he was friends with the friend, but you know, and sorry for her past. Oh yeah. But she was, the, I think, his spiritual teacher. And right. it was like maybe he didn't believe in it 100% or whatever. <laughs> so several months after, I thought this was a hysterical story, several <laughs> months after she passes, uh, the husband's walking in the city and it starts. the wind starts kicking up. And you know how when you're walking in Manhattan, I've experienced this, where all kinds of garbage starts sticking to you from the streets. <laughs> you know, <laughs> papers start blowing around and you can't pull things off. And there was one paper really kind of stuck on his leg and he finally tries to shake it and he can't shake it and then he he looks up and it's that woman's obituary from the New York Times. I'm like Yeah. Oh my Yeah, you know really, that woman really something. That woman Hilda whose whose uh, obituary it was, she was when she was living a very powerful, very powerful teacher, very humble. She used to teach at Saint John the Divine <clears throat> and she used to tell a story that one time she got her pocketbook stolen <clears throat> Excuse me. And inside was her library card, and she was pestering God and the masters and her angels. Why did, why did you let my library card get stolen? Why? She just pestered them three days in a row. Library card, library card, library card. You think she'd just get a new one? No, she just was. Uh, here I pray to you. I devote my life to you, and you, uh, you let my library card. I want my library card. So one day she's walking in an open field. I don't know if it was Central Park or not, but this little thing comes twirling, twirling, twirling down on her right at her feet, and she picks it up, and it's her library card. So that's so that's the kind of powerful person that we're talking about. So the fact that she wrapped her obituary on that guy's leg doesn't surprise me. <laughs> that's the, I wish I had those powers. I really do. Wow, yeah, that would that be, be something. Fun? Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Good. I know. So it would wake people up. What was? Yeah, really. It's like, well, I guess you know, you you do what you do. You just keep. You know, hitting the pavement every day, um, yeah. meditating, revealing what's behind the curtain. You know, dealing. Yes, with I love what you're doing. And, by the way, it's oh, such a great, you. powerful service that you're doing. Yeah, lifting the veil there, so to speak, and and um, getting people to think, shift their thinking, and and um, open up new avenues of of love and service. 
Well, thank you. Thank you very much uh, for that. Um, well, one of the stories I loved, can you just share with the listeners um, about your story with your mom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fascinating. Um, um, I was hadn't been at the Daily News all that long, and she passed on. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat's really not working too well. And then I got assigned a story that, it seemed just like the kind of thing that she would be involved in. It was uniting countries and, and teaching that no matter what anybody's governments are doing, the people can always get along with people. And I thought, that not this interesting that one of my first writing assignments is about what she spent her whole life trying to develop. So I started, I wonder if she's guiding this at all. And I thought, nah, you're just you know wishful thinking. But every time I would doubt it, something else would, you know, come in to confirm it. So so I just kept going. And um, also my, you know, favorite kind of sacred number is 444. And when I asked the editor how many words this should be, he said 444, which is an unheard of (laughs) number to have an, you know, it just, editors never say that they 500, 250, but 444, just, my heart <laughs> almost stopped. I'm like, okay, all right, maybe she really is, you know. And I, I tried not to doubt, and I kept going, and I had a great time doing the whole story. Um, by the way, I should back up and say that when she was living on Earth, she lived kind of nearby the uh, Village Voice offices and Sometimes I would go there at lunch or after work and stop by, and we had a little joke where when she wasn't looking, I would put Raggedy Ann, she had a Raggedy Ann doll on the windowsill, and I'd put Raggedy Ann in a different position, like lying down instead of sitting up or or hugging Raggedy Andy or face down, you know, just little playful things. So after I left, she'd go, wait a minute, how did that happen? And it was our little fun thing. So... That was very much in our lives. So, okay, back to the daily news story. So I, I, I finish it and I hand it in. And then the next day I come into work and the photo editor said, you know, your story's in the paper, but I'm so sorry. We sent a photographer t- to the event. This is having to do with a Russian-American satellite tie-in, very groundbreaking at the time, first time that a cultural event had been shared in such a way. This is, we're talking 1987, 88. Um, yeah, a photographer. Yeah. Sent a photographer, and, you know, one of our best ones, and nothing came out. It's too strange. It all came out too dark. We don't know what happened. So I'm so sorry. We had to throw in just any old photograph. I, I apologize. I thought, oh, that's too bad. So I grabbed the paper, and I look at it, and instead of the f- photograph that was supposed to go up there of an, the event, it had a picture of Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy waving and smiling. Wow. So I nearly had a heart attack, and I but I had to keep calm, you know. And I, I couldn't sure. tell any of my colleagues or anything what I was thinking, but I just went, oh, okay, that's no problem. That picture is fine. Thank you. So I've saved it to this day. And, yeah, and um, I just keep, beautiful kept story. thinking, how did she do that exactly? Did you know? And then my doubting mind will go, is it all some strange coincidence, or it's a pretty big coincidence? So we'll see. Yeah. 
Well, I think we all kind of do that. You know, yeah, that's one of my questions too. But, I mean, you know, I always think, okay, maybe it was a coincidence, but, you know, I'd like to think that it wasn't. And if it yeah. it gives me a little pleasure and a you know and a feeling of warmth and a and a more joy to think that way, yeah. then who am I hurting? <laughs> you yeah. know. Then I, then well, I, I think it was real. It. I think it was real. But I, when I when I get to the other side, I'm going to go, Mom. Okay, how did you do that raggedy ant? <laughs> 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 I mean, I love how do you that. do those things? And teach me how to do it. That's great. I love that. So what did you take away from this whole experience for yourself in your life? You know, the book. Well, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I had such a wonderful time doing it. And I realized that everybody has something, you know, thoughts on it. And there were a lot of connecting threads or some. Um, Pretty much everyone thought, you know, believes that you go on, and um, and how people adjust is different. You know, some mostly people. Um, well, some people like to be alone and needed time to adjust, but everybody wanted to um, get some responses from friends and family. Even if they say, no, I don't want to talk to anybody, they still appreciate it if somebody showed up and said, what can I do and how can I help? And just listened. That was a big thing. Yes. Um, yeah, that was just a big thing. That's what came be. up for me, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, you really do. It's those moments when you really see, um, you know, who are your friends, and not, and not because if someone doesn't show up or doesn't say it, it doesn't mean they're not your friend, but during those moments, that's when people really need love the most. And, you know, so for anybody that takes that time when someone they know passes to just be there for a person, it's 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 really the best thing you can do. And like you said, it was a running theme throughout all of the interviews. So I cannot believe we have three minutes and 55 seconds left, and I'm going to wow. have to... Uh, read some uh, promotional things, but I want to tell everybody there is a writing essay contest going on for uh, Mystics in the City Part 2, and for all of that information and the deadlines coming up on July 15th, please go to mysticsinthecity.com and uh, sign up for that because it's, you know, you'll know you be in, in the book, right? If they win the contest, they win a prize, yeah, and exactly. they get to be in Part 2. And I want to thank uh, Lisi for spending the half hour with us. You are an extraordinary woman, journalist, writer. I really admire the work you do, and we're very lucky to have you in in our world. So thanks for everything that you do. And I hope you'll come back because I know you're constantly up to to big things. And um, I just want to – oh, good. Well, thank you, Lisi. And you can hang on with me until uh, we end the show. But I just wanted to uh, uh, say a few things. Next week uh, we are kicking off a series called What Are You Doing to Change Our World? Each show we feature under that title will profile ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Jean Potter, author of By the Grace of God, a 9-11 survivor story of love, hope, and healing, will be with us. Uh, Jean was on the 89th floor of Tower 2 when the plane hit. Surviving 9-11 changed the direction of her life, and so tune in to hear all of, all about that. She'll also be back with us on September 6th. It's going to be the 10th anniversary, which is hard for me to believe, of 9-11, and she'll be back to discuss her book in its entirety. And uh, a few other um, 
announcements. Let's see. Of course, I screwed up my paper. Um, oh, yeah. We have uh, Theater Breaking Through Barriers. They are presenting a play, some of our parts. It's seven 10-minute plays about disability. That's at the Clerman Theater at 410 West 42nd Street. It's a limited run till June 30th. Very talented people doing extraordinary things. So go to tbtb.org for ticket info. And on July 8th, between 2 and 8 p.m. at the Central Park Band Show, and you know the Brahma Kumaris, uh, Lisi. Actually, that's how we met. Um, They're going to be having a a free event, uh, Peace and Inner Power, and who can't get that? You know, who doesn't want that, rather? Uh, Learn Meditation and Bring the Family, sponsored by the Brahma Kumaris. Call 212-564-4335 for information. And um, they're they're wonderful. And if anybody doesn't know how to meditate and they they have you know the desire to go to the park and just have a wonderful time, and they can they teach you how to meditate with your eyes open, which is super cool, especially when you live in New York City. I think. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to uh, my mother. Uh, she's going to be 75 on Friday. And so, Mom, I just want to wish you a beautiful, beautiful birthday. I feel very blessed to have you as my mother. And happy birthday to you. Ooh, I got all choked up. Uh, (laughs) Okay, let's see. We see. Now I'm back. It has been an emotional show. I don't know. I mean, I know we have a couple of seconds here, but, you know, for me, I thought about everyone I lost. Yeah. It's very emotional, you know. So, uh, well, they love you wow, very I much. I you know, was, I do. I really get that. But you know, it's it's really the power of love helps heal us, and uh, and it's okay to cry about it, and it's okay to feel sorrow about it, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show to talk about it. This is subject matter that people should just feel free to talk about. Yeah. So this is Kathy Barrett. Thanks for tuning in. Lisey Dunton says goodbye as well. And this is Behind the Curtain. Tune in next week. And with love for you. (laughs) 